What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Sports Science Podcast. My name is David, PhD student at Loughborough University. And I'm Matt, head strength and conditioning coach within rugby. David, what are we doing here today? Yeah, good question, Matt. Well, we started this podcast to share the highs and the lows of our journey as we start careers as sports science practitioners. That's right. And we are excited for all of you to be following us side by side through the mud, sweat and non-paying volunteer roles. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, that that sounds personal. But it's not just us. We've got some amazing guests that come on to the podcast as well, including sports scientists, practitioners, athletes, coaches. We'll be getting their perspective and learning from their experiences to help us grow in our current careers as well as in our current roles yeah that's right so hey if that's up your alley or you just want to come and learn alongside us we'd love to have you come along so whether for the first time or not welcome to the rss podcast let's go welcome to uh the next episode episode five of our series wintering and we have our third guest on um, quick introduction, uh, bachelor's sports science. I'm reading this straight off the page, so I didn't memorize this. Uh, and you can, and you can, fact nah, check yeah, well. yeah, yeah. uh, sports science at Bath University, master's of SNC at St. Mary's, which is cool. I did some, uh, RA research stuff down there. Okay. It's really nice. Yeah. It's, if I mean for, for strength and conditioning and just sports science in general, well, they have that whole gym. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's, for S and C. I yeah. did my UK CSA, SCA, UK SCA there. What was that? UK SCA. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah. It it just brought back PTSD <laughs> of how the whole uh, testing stage went, and it just brought back bad memories, mate. The U, the UK FU. Yeah. <laughs> the one that everyone needs Anyways. but doesn't need. <laughs> and then uh, after that, you have a smattering of S and C jobs. So you did a placement at Leicester Tigers, which I'm sure we'll get into placements. Sore, sore topic for Matt at the minute. Uh, and then you work for Team Bath. Is that rugby? I, I wrote uh, down rugby, but I actually don't know. So I guess we'll get into this, I imagine. But like, um, so I did some, so when I was at Millfield, which I'm sure we'll get on to, I did some voluntary work at Bath Rugby, the premiership team. Right, but I yeah, also, yeah. in my final year of my degree, my bachelor's of Bath, I then did some volunteering okay. as I see at Team Bath, which right. is obviously the brand of almost like Loughborough Sport. Oh, okay. So Team Bath is is Bath Uni. Yeah, exactly. That, and then you yeah. also worked at Bath Rugby. Well, I worked as a product stroke. Like it's more like a as part of my role within the school. I was Millfield. Um, a voluntary, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, because you did you obviously you went S and C. This is a long intro. I'm getting distracted <laughs> every time. I'm like asking a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Because <laughs> uh, you yeah, obviously rugby, rugby, and then you worked as an athletic development coach. Yeah. So you had a break, and that's probably similar to what Matt's doing at the minute. And then from yeah. there. Worcester Warriors, did I say that right? Yeah, again, that was a short and sweet sort of endeavor, but yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely um before coming coaching. up to Loughborough, worked as a grad as as a graduate SNC coach, and then now finally working as uh, a SNC coach in the NFL Academy, which you've been doing for a year and a half. Yeah, started the summer of twenty last 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 summer of twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, right? August yeah. August twenty twenty two when it first moved up here from North London. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So after five minutes, that is our guest, Jack. Oh, no, I haven't even said your name yet. <laughs> it's okay. I, it's just the fact that someone's reading stuff about me off a bit of paper that makes me a bit freaked out. Like, uh, really, in a good way. Like, I've yeah, never, yeah. I never thought this would ever happen. So. Um, <laughs> First time for so, everything. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, yeah, I've got a couple of questions leading on to that. Um, so, oh, no. what's, what's the worries? Were you there when it went down? Uh, uh, no, I, I was... So, essentially, I was um, in the process of applying for a job there anyway. Um, it's part of their academy role. And then... 
during the application process, I managed to stay in comms with the head of performance there. And he very kindly offered me an opportunity to come up as a part-time sort of um, casual contract. So I managed to get some experience across both the academy and the senior men's oh, awesome. team. And then uh, and then that late July of that summer, that's when I then moved across to Loughborough. Um, and then unfortunately, it wasn't too long after that that it started to um, okay. go downhill for them. And then... Yeah, because I think that happened when we already started the podcast, Matt. Yeah, didn't it? Because well, we I remember talking about it on the podcast, but yeah. I guess it probably was going downhill before it went, then. It went down, uh, yeah, and then it went. It was all right, and then it went down again. Like they had a mere mm. bit of a period where they were like, I maybe see. we could carry on, but it was just no chance. Because I know, um, I know a couple of mates that work there, and as well the uni team. Imagine this: your university team. I think they're like Midland. Their first team are like Midlands two or something because i went to university of worcester and we played at like okay. just the rugby club next door next thing you know yeah um now the first team are playing at six-way stadium <laughs> and they're not like amazing level but that's unreal yeah are they at, like now they are the yeah. university teams play there that's unreal yeah sick for them yeah well, yeah i think playing i think and again we're pretty good to this with us with our opportunity to go down to tottenham yeah like just the invite. Um, I mean, just, I don't care if it's not full. Like, just going yeah. there for the first time yeah. would be unbelievable. And just being under the lights and yeah. having the the markings all laid out, proper yeah. NFL style, the the post up. Um, yeah, it was it was a really yeah. really special night. Oh, I bet. And we'll yeah. definitely get on to that before we do that. First, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks. for coming on. I really no, appreciate it. I was we were trying <laughs> we were chatting. Finish the intro. Finally, fifty minutes in. <laughs> Jack Oden. Been talking to him for fifty minutes. Uh, before we came on, um, we were just chatting quick, and I thought I said it's really cool for this series because we've had um, you as being football, which is totally different. Especially, I think it's very rare to probably get that in the UK. Mm. And we've had you know athletics coach Kate, and then um, and then uh, last week someone in the military. So it was very cool to have like totally three different aspects. So I think it's really really cool. Um, it'd be cool. Uh, to to just hear about your journey um yeah journey through school did you always know you're going to want to be kind of an snc coach um did you did it come from playing sports did you do that yeah just a little bit of yeah, yeah. Of, how'd you get to where you are now yeah, no, I'll, yeah. I'll, and i'll try and keep it short um as you said, like the probably people know enough about me from that, that intro before. But um, so uh, I, yeah, I, I was always a sports fanatic as a kid. Yeah. Um, rugby, swimming, and tennis were sort of my main three sports growing up. Um, it got to a point where rugby really became my, my passion and something that I really enjoyed, and I have been playing it since sort of my, I guess at the age of six potentially. Oh, wow. um, you have that classic every SSC coach is a failed athlete sort of um storyline yeah. i definitely probably fall into that category in terms of like i never was close to being an elite athlete in any way shape or form but i always fancied myself as having yeah. a shot so um, i was gonna say matt were you ever an athlete <laughs> living the dream through the athletes every day of the week well exactly that's exactly it yeah, yeah. they say that in hockey as well they we were those who we can't won. coach <laughs> yeah we won. hey you get a ring all I'm saying, if if you're on the team, if you're an SNC coach, you get a ring. So I bet yeah, yeah. it counts. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I you know anything that that I could do to do a sport, yeah, in an academic sense, I would try and do. So A yeah. levels obviously you know, reoriented myself around physical activity, PE, like, you know, social sciences, biological sciences around that, and then um, got the opportunity to study my bachelor's of sports science at Bath Uni, and then two years into that, then obviously my third year was a placement. So 
that was my first real professional experience um, within sports science realm. And that yeah. was at Leicester Tigers. Okay. So that was for the 2018-19 season. Yeah. Um, and that was, as I said, it was really my first taste. And I kind of actually went in as a, a sports scientist, like more purely. So like um, working with GPS yeah. Um, data visualization and uh, the analytics, that yeah. sort of stuff, yeah. um, which was cool. Yeah. I think for me, it was probably that I, I craved that more um, athlete facing role and, yeah. and that sort of in the trenches type role, I guess, of, of being in the gym environment and coaching them day to day. So uh, after that year, I decided the strength and conditioning was probably better suited to me. Um, that's where I, as we said before, I kind of volunteered my time um, during my final year studies at Bath Uni, yeah. worked across all sorts of different things, netball, taekwondo, the TAS program. Oh, wow. um, and then uh, eventually, finally, thankfully, managed to land a, a graduate role at, at Millfield. Yeah. Um, I always cite, and um, I've said this before, like I think probably most of my development has come in those two years at Millfield. Okay. Um, I think just based on the hours I was coaching, mm. but also the structured development and support I got from my, my line manager there and, mm. the, and the staff and just the general philosophy towards athletic development at Millfield, it really helped me like excel. Yeah. Um, and then that then came to a close. My contract as part of the graduate program there, it's usually just a year now, but I was lucky enough to stay on for two. So after that second year, I then obviously had to move on to think about moving on. So what do I want to do from now? And this opportunity came up and to work in a contact sports, so it kind of satisfies that sort of rugby element and, and the physicality of, of sport. And I love preparing athletes for, for being physical. Yeah. Um, but to, to do it in such an exciting program, uh, in quite a niche sport within the UK and mm. swing it's up and coming and to be NFL affiliated as well and the, the, the I guess the opportunities that come with that I, yeah. was, I just couldn't I just couldn't pass it up and then yeah I just somehow found my way into it and, and um, yeah it's been a pretty cool ride ever since to be honest what the the Millfield one is interesting. What was your role there that that made it different, or that made it that you got the most out of that? Yeah. Like the role specifically, because I'm guessing that wasn't rugby per se or performance sports, probably all over the place a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly that. So I I did do the rugby program. Yeah. Um. So again, I think the the what was really well done there was I, my my strengths were met in terms of I wanted to work within rugby or contact based sports. I knew that going forward, that's what I wanted to do. But what they did a really good job of was almost exposing you to things you probably hadn't done before or, right. or and the type of sports I was working with. So I was working with rugby, athletics, netball, uh, a little bit less than netball, actually more like um, fencing, one bit half on, um, sailing. That's crazy. Like golf. Yeah. Um, so the variety of sports, I know that generally at that age, sports specificity we can get you know it's a whole other yeah. podcast but um, yeah, yeah. but generally the considerations of the type of athlete that play different sports yeah so in terms of the interpersonal thing yeah um but also that there are some basic demands of each sport which would require some different approaches yeah um but also just the sheer volume of coaching you do okay. so you'd be, you'd be coaching quite a lot in right. the week just so, the pure hours that you're i think in. so so just generally the the, the coaching yeah and I'm always, I can't remember where I've heard it, I always always credit it, but you, you kind of get this, you can't learn how to coach. Like, so if you're trying to ride a bike or learn how to ride a bike, you wouldn't do that by attending the weekend cinema, right. um, sen seminar. <laughs> you do it by going out and riding the bike, falling yeah. off, yeah. getting yourself back on it and getting better at it. Yeah. And I feel like coaching is the same thing. You can't, yeah. you can't learn how to coach by sitting at a UKCA yeah. conference. I'm like absolutely <laughs> blazed for that. But it's actually about applying it and actually about being in the yeah. environment and actually coaching. And those, the, those things obviously have a, place oh, of course yeah yeah, yeah yeah like you said yeah like your job is practical so eventually you need to do it oh yeah so you're good. i think matt matt um 
uh, we were talking to Jamie Lowry, and he said the sim because he works. What's the what's the well, school that he works at just, right now? I just went to Wellington. We beat them Wellington. In the rugby. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and and he said the same thing. He's like, this job is teaching me kind of the softer skills of coaching um, because it is, is is not as focused as probably you are now in one area. And you get so many athletes or so many people from different backgrounds yeah. needing different things. And at that age where there's like, you can't just tell them to do something and then they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so I think it's, the same way that we talk about holistic development for an athlete, yeah. it's almost holistic development for me, being yeah. exposed to so many different sports, so many different. And like you said, I'm I was coaching guys and girls from 13 to 18. Yeah. So again, you have that the whole LTAD type, yeah. like you know, considerations and challenges and stuff. So yeah, it really was quite a well-rounded experience for me, and, and it's helped me excel in this role, I believe. Matt, would you would you agree? Like when with with your role, kind of similar. To, yeah, so to what Jack was saying. I, I was just about to say, Jack. So, like, I'm head of athletic development at Tunbridge School, and they yeah. they haven't had a program there before. Um, so, whilst I'm also trying to create a program, it's like a, I always enjoyed the practical side of uh, SNC instead of the theory. So, I'm trying to do the theory part of this job, but then I'm also yeah. enjoying the practical part, which is essentially, as you said, working with so many different sports. Say you work within an academy or you're in an elite setup with a team, they want to be there for because they're professional athletes. You don't have to drag them or try to find different ways to motivate them, as well as you don't have mm. to find like different ways to programming their niche sort of needs in their sport. So it's like quite difficult, but it's also helping your coaching skills because the way you chat to one kid who's sailing will be different to how you're going to chat to one rugby lad who's ready to get, you know, become a prop for the next season for the under 18s transferring from under 16s. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's very, very interesting. Um, and I think, sorry, yeah, down to that point, it was, um, I think another thing that helps within those school based situations is the size of the group as well. Right. So at least at, um, at Millfield, I don't know how it is at Tunbridge, but like we have, well, had, <laughs> we had, um, I don't know what it's like now. It's been a few years since I've been there, but we had, uh, a system by which upper sixth and lower sixth students would able to be able to come in on sort of one-to-one or small group sessions throughout the day. And then from year 11 down, they would be only allowed to attend sort of preschool lunchtime or after school sessions. So you're throughout the day, you're, you're suddenly working with 30 year nine kids and your coaching style has to flex to, to be able to get the outcome you're wanting for those year nines, which is probably more task focused, you're more like, right, we've got a job to do, you know, 30 kids, yeah. you know, we've got to get this done, let's try and make it as fun as possible, blah, blah, blah. But then if you're working with, say, two rugby lads, um, both academy, you know, they're both on the, the, the sort of grasp of getting a, an academy contract at the end of their right. two years, yeah. say, senior academy contract, you're probably f- far more relational. You probably, mm. you know, you can have, you have the time to have these conversations, you have the time to dig a little deeper. So I think, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it is, it's, um, it's a wild west, but it's uh, you do you do oh. become better after it for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, like as you said, those year nine. I'll just leave. I'll leave the room, and you two can just uh, chat. No, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> it's just those. Yeah, as you said, those younger years, trying to get them, and there's there's never like two of them. There's always like forty, thirty, and they're all yeah. you're trying to make it fun, but also trying to cover it. So you you might have ten little bit of athletic development um, sort of goals that you want to do with them, but if you get three done, then you're like, okay, thank you. But with as you said, like a rugby boy or someone who's doing say trying to do 400 meters the best you can trying to train for that for the athletic season you can really just like you're sort of there to motivate and keep them on track you don't have to just keep them entertained almost um, yeah so yeah 100 uh, percent. fun times 
So you mentioned um, placements, and Matt and I have talked a lot. And SNC, it just seems like you have to do volunteer work. And I don't know if that's always been the case, or just because S or just sports science in general is just such a saturated field. Like I found when I was um, when I'd finished my master's and I was applying for jobs that needed a master's people with a PhD were applying for it. So I was applying to jobs that just needed bachelors. So like you always had to go one step down. It's just such a saturated thing. But, and you said, you know, you volunteered Bath rugby or there's part of uh, when you worked at Millfield school and then you had the placement with Leicester Tigers as well. I'm sure you've done countless hours of volunteer work to get where you are now. But I guess now being kind of on the other side of it, like you have a full-time role in SNC now, um, how do you view that time as being kind of a placement, not getting paid, needing to do kind of stuff on top of your full-time work? How do you view that now when you look back at it? Do you view it uh, like positively or negatively? Like, yeah, how, how do you view it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I think ultimately um, I view it positively. Right. And I think, I, I think I've, and people always say like, oh, I've been really lucky. And I, but ultimately I think that, there has been an element of luck in it in terms of the placement I had at Las Tigers, for example. This, the group of practitioners I went in to work with yeah. were great, were amazing. They were right. great at not only wanting to actively develop me um, and help me f- almost figure out in that sort of very green, very raw right. sort of uni student, like what I actually wanted to do in my life. Yeah. But they were very good at managing time as well. Obviously, um, <laughs> elite rugby seasons are incredibly demanding. Uh, so like trying to manage your time there, they were, they were absolutely brilliant at, uh, and also that sort of the continued professional development, the CPD opportunities, the mentorship opportunities, they give you the the visits to other clubs and organizations, the networking, all that sort of stuff. So I think ultimately in an ideal world, you would like to be, um, remunerated for the, so the investment of time you're putting in, Yeah. but like you say, it, it's a saturated industry. I'm, I'm not going to get political. I'm going to no sort of status or position to have my voice or my words actually mean anything at all anyway. But like, I guess for me personally, I, I viewed that as a positive experience ultimately because um, I think maybe the way I approached it, like, yeah, I think sometimes if you're approaching it as, oh God, like I've got to do all these hours before I can get a job, it's probably going to come, the likelihood of probably getting a job at the end of it is probably going to be lower in the sense that you've not seen that as an opportunity to network, to, to almost guarantee yourself i guess a, a role at the end of it right. or just get as much out of it as possible exactly right so yeah. me going you know hopefully i like to think that i've been quite proactive with first getting that placement but also during that year during my final year at university mm. um the networking that i did during my time at millfield with other practitioners and organizations and stuff um keeping ties with good people that i worked with in the, in the past like it's all it all pays dividends in the end yeah um i know i probably didn't answer the question but Oh, definitely. Definitely. I guess, like, off off the back of that, like, um, oh, what was I going to say? <laughs> oh, I started talking and it just vanished. No, it's okay. um, what do you think? Do you think you'd be the same SNC coach now than if if all of those placements would have been paid? Or do you think there's some element of that, like, because it's not paid, you're kind of like, I need to get as much out of this as possible. Maybe it develops because it's not paid. I don't know, some some other, um, it always builds character. You know, or some yeah. sort of, like, I don't know. Or or am I just, am I reaching for no, something? I, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I think it always, if you answer that question, whether those roles are paid or not, I don't think would have made much of a 
difference in the, in how I would have approached yeah, okay. my yeah. sort of day to day and what yeah. I wanted to get out of them. Right. So ultimately, I don't think they would have made me a different SSC coach today. I like to think that regardless of if it was paid or not, I'd still put yeah. in the same level of effort, same level of just of maybe a bit more tired. I, yeah, probably. I, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, as I say, twenty six going on eighty six. Thousand hours, all sorts. Of <laughs> now, what are you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say. I don't know. I feel like the because like I had placements whilst I was at Loughborough and at Worcester, um, and I I don't know. It made me realize what I wanted to do because I'm like, look, I'm not getting paid. I could easily go do this and get paid, but then. Putting like countless hours in, I was like, actually, you know what? Even mm. though I'm not getting paid, I'm still thoroughly enjoying it. When you do get paid, it's not all my mates did business, so they're all in London, you know, earning big bucks. Yeah. But then, and I could just do that. But then I thought, actually, I'm not getting paid here, but I'm still enjoying myself. So then I thought, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. And pay was never the factor for me. I'd enjoy programming. I enjoy working with so many people. So I feel like if it was paid, maybe it wouldn't have changed my coaching, but the gratification from it. Mm. Um, maybe enhance that through the unpaid placement. Yeah, uh, no, I, I I totally agree. I think that ultimately, because I get such a, a buzz of of like you said, working with athletes every day, almost like an altruistic nature of like seeing them achieve their potential and achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah, uh, that's that's what makes me happy. Yeah. Makes me that's why I've done those hours of volunteer. Yeah. So yeah, call me silly, call me stupid, but to me, money is not not really much of a consideration if you're what you're doing is mm. is making you happy and is and i don't want to go like spiritual turning this podcast into some sort of yeah spiritual sort of we go wherever the guest goes the guest <laughs> is always right um <laughs> but uh yeah for me like the the well, of course you need to make enough to yeah. have a life and be yeah. comfortable but um if you're in, in, especially in those early years if you're in a, in a position where you're progressing you're developing you're making good relationships with with people you could put you in opportunities in the future mm. um and you're enjoying the role then I think that for me anyway, that the money was, wasn't such a bad thing. Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. It's never going to be stress-free. Do you know what I mean? Whatever job you go through. So it's like, you know, you got to enjoy that part of it. You got to expect that some parts are going to be bad. Like I remember I was out in New Zealand and I was like, this is bloody amazing. Like I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Then a couple losses down the road and everyone's sort of not panicking but like it's starting like okay look something's wrong let's find out what's wrong so everyone's just a bit on eggshells we're just working a lot harder and i thought oh jesus is we got a long day tomorrow waking up at five but then after that day you're like oh actually this is why i do it that was lovely like putting in those hard yards no job's gonna be stressful yeah i guess it's kind of nice as well because there's no i I haven't done a placement like an S&C placement, so maybe this is wrong. But there's no, I guess, coming out of gra- like graduating masters or bachelors, or you're doing your placement. There's no, ex- like, there's less expectation on you as a coach mm. to be perfect because you're not getting paid. Yeah, right. Right, or you have a full time job, so if you get something wrong and for some reason you get let go of your unpaid role you know like it's not like you're out of a job now mm. you know obviously that's not a, all ideal no. you don't want to have that happen but there's not like that pressure on you to need to know everything right it's almost kind of like a soft start into it and you can i guess like you said really focus on meeting people networking taking advantage of the cpd opportunities mm. obviously there's somebody above you so you get to you know chat and hang out with probably people who are above where you're at so I guess I guess that's kind of a, a positive of not being paid. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I guess Jamie was the other SNC coach, but he works in a school. So you're the first one who's working kind of who's come through placement school and now has a full time kind of in an academy um, role like you do now. And transition academy didn't even <laughs> yeah. mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> so you work in the NFL Academy now. Yeah. And so that was in London. It started in 2019. Correct. Was yeah, it? Yeah. So the NFL Academy and then in 2022 it moved up to Loughborough. Sure. And that's when you started, right? Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about that, like the progression, like kind of what's exciting about it, like what drew you to this specifically other than it obviously being able to have Loughborough be here and also the NFL and the connections with that, like what yeah. what's exciting about it, like where do you see it going? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, multi-part. I'll try and take it one at That time. was several questions several that I threw one. at I love doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, heading into the role, so like you said, I got recruited uh, and, and started in, in mid-August of 2022. At that time, it really it really had literally just moved up. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. foundations of its Loughborough life hadn't really been laid yet. Right. So what was really exciting, first and foremost, was actually having an opportunity to, to, to help or contribute towards the, the establishment of that program. Mm-hmm. So um, heading in, it was literally myself, I had a, my head performance. I had I had a performance. Um, another physiotherapist uh, and a part-time nutritionist. Mm. Just four of us. That's sweet. So um, it was it was tough work. Yeah. It, was, it was it was tricky. We we had then um, had a PA performance analysis placement come in and, and help us with a few things. But ultimately, it was it was um, uh, yeah quite quite quick and dirty as it had to be yeah. to try and get things up and running and. Mm and try and get the system going and, and trying to, to, to form new relationships with new stakeholders, most notably the technical coaches and the players that were coming up, some of which had obviously been in the program when it was down in London. So right. moving up in that transition period was obviously quite tough for, for quite a few of them. So uh, establishing sort of our program as, as, a, as, a, as a holistic performance support team, um, that was really cool. Uh, and we're still building it now. You just say like we're only a, a year in four or five months into this yeah. journey up in Loughborough. So we're still yeah. by no means a finished product. So um, I think the most exciting thing of this program for, for me personally uh, is, is almost the opportunity it's giving to, to kids outside of the US and young, young men outside of the US to, to ultimately try and change their lives. Because yeah. a lot of them are coming from all over the world. So we have, we have I think this year, it's, it's 13 different countries um, of athletes really? coming, wow. coming into the academy. We're in the academy currently. Um, and some of them, you know, unfortunately coming from quite impoverished backgrounds or quite harsh backgrounds, this is an opportunity they've been given ultimately to change the course of their lives. And um, we have an opportunity now to not only develop them athletically and give them an opportunity to go on to college football, which then ultimately might lead on to the NFL, which is obviously ultimately our old end goal. Yeah. But also there's a huge emphasis on character development and education within our program. So um, we, we they are student athletes. So uh, developing them as, as young men as well is, is they're probably the two sort of key pillars of our program is both the athletic development and also the personal development too. Yeah. Um, so, and you had that chance of, you didn't come in and the program was, I mean, it was already there, but it was first time coming here. Sure. So really like, what are those foundations? How do we integrate what they had down in London? Yeah. How do we use some of that? Some of the things probably maybe we want to move away from, or we can change and make yeah. improve on. So that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, and then obviously, like I said, the, the glitter and the 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 bright shiny sort of trophies along with it in terms of having opportunities to travel out to the US, um, being able to play yeah. down in big stadiums and, yeah. and play international teams and and to be part of the, of the group when we, 
you know, we beat our first American opposition in, in sort of the academy's history, which is a big stepping stone. So, you know, the, the quality, the, you know, the, the, the gap of quality between non-US and US-based mm. or North American-based for football is, is still mm. quite large. So the fact we've shown the world that we can compete with these American mm. schools um, and come out on top, that's probably turned more heads to us from a recruitment perspective, which right. only then, like I said, completes that loop of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned briefly, like, football or um, American football. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, we have to, call, I have, to call, I have to call football soccer now. Yeah, I was and wondering if you me, were needed yeah, to do that. Because we're completely – so within the performance sport team, at least, we've got a lot of American technical coaches, but within the performance sport team, we're all English. Yeah. And when we're talking about football, it's just like, uh, just grit your teeth. So no, no, I meant soccer. Like, yeah, yeah. Did you watch the football the weekend? Oh no, no, like oh no, soccer. Oh, the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, faster to say soccer than American football. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Because like, American football is just it's just a mouthful, and you say it twenty eight times a day. And <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. Uh, what What's it like um, trying to grow football in a soccer and rugby? Yeah. <laughs> It's nice being able to say soccer again um, <laughs> in a in a in a country that's obviously very it's either football yeah. real football and or rugby like how is it how has it been trying to again like yeah get that name out there of this isn't just you know a, a stateside sport or a North American yeah. sport this is something that we're building here yeah uh, how's that been well it, it ultimately you know it doesn't come down to me my role is, is probably doesn't touch on that side so much we've got a lot of really good people. Um, way up above in yeah. terms of the NFL and the grassroots program um, they're doing a great job and trying to grow the game from very young ages yeah. and trying to almost yeah. establish as you would a similar uh, soccer or a rugby academy um, trying to get more boys and girls playing the flag football any form of American football from an early age and trying to expose yeah. them to the sport because um, I guess that's and that's the thing like it needs to start at the grassroots yeah. doesn't it because like you said you know the level at the level that the states is at to hear it's not i mean sure they have unbelievable places and gyms and coaches and all like facilities as well but they've been they've been throwing a football ever since they were well able to throw anything yeah, yeah. right like they've been doing or it's like canada and ice hockey like we've i've been skating ever since i could walk yeah. right and there's no substitute for that for sure. like you can have the sickest gym but you know someone who's been doing it for 20 years is going to yeah. beat you yeah yeah and was that did you going over did you go over and play img in in florida last year uh no no or so did they come unfortunately here? not yeah so the last so our first year they came here okay um we played them down london mm. and then we and how'd that go uh we unfortunately lost that one um that was our first game as a as, as almost, a, that was almost like our first game as um a loughborough that's based. an opponent to play for yeah exactly right and it, yeah well. yeah so um talk about baptism by fire like, it, was, <laughs> Holy smokes. it was brutal but um we bounced back from that pretty well that season but then uh uh we have a really good working relationship with guys at img from um well, i guess like a practitioner okay point of view oh cool so myself and a few of the other guys <clears> and, <throat> and um in the department we actually were really lucky to, to go over there in March this yeah. year for a CPD week of learning and, and exchanging sort of Unreal. ideas and stuff. Um, wow. And it was so cool. It was my first time in the States as well. Wow. Yeah. What and, a place to go to as well. Well, it wasn't like, bad. Yeah, yeah. It, the, it's the, in Fort, is it in Fort Lauderdale or just outside? No, it's, um, so it's just south of Tampa. It's in a place called, um, oh my God, I've literally just lost it. Oh, it's south of Tampa. It's now south of Tampa. Oh. Oh, that's oh, way further down. Bradenton. Oh, okay. That's the place. So, Bra yeah. Bradenton. Bradenton. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 
and then even just going from the airport to there was a couple of, like the traffic in America. Firstly, is like really bad. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, yeah. I just it's, it's it's when you have those journeys that you realize how big a country is. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about going from like Bradenton, which is like southwest Florida, up to Gainesville, which is like north, and it's like. 10 hour drive yeah yeah and, and you're in the same state and you're, yeah, yeah yeah you're not even you're not even a smidge of the way yeah my last year playing hockey before my undergrad i i was playing in texas and i just i th- our closest road game which was still in texas was nine hours away and our furthest yeah. away was 17 hours in in missouri yeah and i remember you would you would be driving home and we'd be like oh yeah we made it like we're in texas and you'd still have 11 hours to drive right. <laughs> At Texas, I mean, yeah, it's it's just different, isn't it? Yeah. But um, speaking of opportunities, uh, like going to IMG and stuff this year, you had a game at the Spurs Stadium. Yeah. That you briefly mentioned on it. Just talk to us about that, like how sick that was for you, but also, you know, being able to, to go down there with the guys and for them as well. Yeah. Um, well, I think the first and foremost, it was, we were so lucky to do it. Uh, I think is is now Tottenham Hospital Stadium has a really good relationship with the NFL and now hosts two out of three or three out of four NFL right. games in London every right. year. Right, okay. Um, it, just, it just seemed to work. It just seemed to align perfectly. We could have a game there too between the sort of Sunday to Sunday turnaround of the two NFL games, um, which again, got to credit the, the people behind the scenes of trying to make that happen because it's probably quite a big logistical, you know, to, keep, to even have the stadium functioning on a, on a night when it probably shouldn't be, probably costs a lot, it probably requires a lot of sacrifice from a lot of people. So, uh, really grateful to, to everyone who made that happen because um yeah it's probably i have to say it's probably the you get little moments in you in a journey of where you are i think that's probably the the one of the highlights for me right now at the moment of being you know the whole global experience has been a highlight in terms of helping guys but i think there's like a one particular moment that night was is probably one of them um having just come off the back of winning img here in loughborough on that friday yeah i remember i remember that we had yeah. a, we had a, a a three gate a three-day turnaround yeah so saturday sunday monday on the bus which for football is unheard of right and we actually practice on the saturday and sunday wow yeah oh sunday monday oh no saturday sunday sorry yeah saturday and sunday so um and the monday so you talk about preparation (laughs) um so we went down we we were playing a a team from new york state erasmus hall um who had been crowned probably state champions maybe four or five times now came in um and i think just being in the locker room as you call it changing room i call it uh matt probably calls it changing room but locker room again Trying to trying to adopt the, all the, nice. the uh, semantics. Nice, it's good. Um, just being in there, like seeing all the NFL like decor and yeah, yeah. It, just more again to bring it back to this, but it's just the, the experience of the guys to experience almost like an, an NFL style game day, mm. like being in the same locker room as these NFL players will be in the following Sunday. That's cool. Having their own seats and they're all NFL embroidered seats. That's it unreal. Name, it has the name and the number of the guy who's probably coming in on on the Sunday who's you know being paid multi million pounds yeah. dollars again dollars. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I think just the general experience of that was yeah. in itself enough. But then the performance was was so cool. Yeah, like, we we played so well. They really didn't even have a shot. Like we didn't, they didn't really fire a shot. We were just so clinical. Um, and then ultimately at the end of that game, we had seven or eight guys offered D one scholarships on the spot by a scout who was on the sideline. So no you talk about a great night. You know, we probably. Because we we get given targets each year about how many guys you want to see transition to D one football, so um, you can see how happy we were in terms of we we're probably about three quarters of the way there already. Um, it's not even sort of November, but the the actual just yeah the the, the seeing the lights, the atmosphere, 
the experience of all was for yeah. me personally and also the team was, was just so cool. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Um, I was just wondering because obviously rugby and American football pretty similar con- you know just contact sports in that sense but when you get down to the nitty gritty the sort of needs analysis there's so many different positions um, that require so much more specific training in American football compared to rugby because mm. at the end of the day rugby you can change up one or two exercises um, for like say a, 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 a lock and then you know, a, a, a flanker or backs to mm. forwards, but there's not that much change there. So then how did you manage to secure a role being in the NFL? Like, did you have, do you have like prior American football um, knowledge or did you have to learn some of that yeah. stuff? How did you prepare? Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I think I was again, lucky enough to have a little bit of background in the sport. Um, so I was able to utilize that in the, sort of the interview process and show them I had a, a, almost like an implicit understanding of some of the sort of key demands. Um, I actually remember in part of my interview that one of the tasks was to almost do some sort of needs analysis task on a wide receiver. So I think I was able to sort of bleed through like my knowledge and my understanding in that. Um, but I think as well, I think what also, again, talk about luck, but also where I helped me in that situation was the academy were, were actively trying to seek individuals from other sports and other domains because um there's almost that concept of bringing together mm. people with very different experiences and very different um skill sets and stuff it can it can create a very rich and very progressive idt because you're all coming together with very very different sort of ingredients to bring to this sort of dish you're trying to create as it were so um I think that that I guess yeah, the, the the I guess the contact sport experience, having known people at the university and having a network here, as well as having some um, knowledge and understanding of the game, I think the three of those that trifecta probably like helped me a lot in terms of I guess getting the role, but also then coming into that role, um, I was really hot on trying to uh, even before I started in that sort of month or so before I started trying to read up as much as I could, trying to uh, I've got a few um, friends who are also SSC coaches who are completely NFL mad and regular mad. So they were really, really helpful in, in sort of upskilling mm. me in some of the, I guess, more SSC specific stuff as well as the sort of the, um, the sport related stuff, such as the rules and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. quite a common, I, yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm not an expert in any way, like by any means, but <laughs> I like to think that I can watch a game. And, and do you know all, do you know all the ref signals yet for all uh, the flags? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd that's, just, that's the most important thing. He's yeah, purchased yeah. 10 packs uh, of yellow flags. Just yeah. practice. He's just out on the rugby pitch, just practice yeah. throwing him. <laughs> you get a flag. You get a flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I was sorry. Just Matt, quickly, did I was, you have something? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask. So, what would be like the top ten three? Uh, top what? The top three things. Top ten three. <laughs> the top three things. Top ten three things. I know. I thought I'd go ten, but then bring it down to three. Um, nah. Nah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the top three things that you would say? are the biggest differences that you had to grasp from transitioning to a new sport that you haven't worked with before? Cause I understand obviously being at Millfield, mm. it's a pretty good skill to have where you've been with sports that you've never worked with. So you can, you know, take all the different specificities you've had to work with in the past sure. for those sports. So what were the top three things? Oh, you know, good question. Um, I think first and foremost, uh, about integrating into American football specifically, was the intimate nature of it. So I think if you're talking about typical team sports in, in the UK, hockey, football, rugby, they're 
they are obviously stoppages, but it's far more con- a continuous sport, mm-hmm. um, specifically things like hockey and football, right? So coming into a sport where it is very much uh, an output-based game in the sense mm-hmm. that you have to really, <laughs> you have to go super maximal efforts, like for mm-hmm. five to upwards of sort of 15, 20 seconds, depending on sort of the worst case scenario of a, of a, of a play, followed then by some passive rest and then go mm-hmm. again to go again to go again. So I think the some of the considerations you might have around how you prepare guys to be able to tolerate that, that work, yeah. um, not only increase the ceiling from the actual outputs, but also um, reduce the drop-off in terms of uh, fatigue between plays or, or um, between drives and between series and um, that sort of stuff. I guess it's probably number one. Um, I think number two, ultimately, is American sport. We've now changed this year where we've got American staff coming in and they've brought with them, obviously, a, a culture of of American sport, which I think is, is brilliant because ultimately we're trying to prepare them for colleges. Mm. So if we're wanting to prepare them for an American environment, we need to have some form of American environment here. Um, it just makes sense. So I think probably just nothing more than just like have, you know, how they operate, the, the values they might have, um, what they've hanged the hat on from um, a training perspective, those sorts of things, I guess, were just things you just had to sort of get used to and perhaps were slightly different from traditional UK sports. Even just like they've been over there. Because I know some, I know a few athletes have conversations with athletes who've gone over to D1 and it just hasn't worked out. Right. And then they come back. Yeah. Because, you know, like going over to a new country to live is one thing, going over there to do uni, another, and then third to do a sport. And then you're doing the sport that the whole nation lives and breathes mm-hmm. like day and night. Mm. Like that, that's, that would be tough. So like even having someone who's been there, who's, you know, someone's gets a D1 scholarship or whatever is going over their play to be, be able to be like, this is what it's like. Yeah. Like, and like you said, just kind of prepare them. Well, yeah. And, and I think the, the other benefit of having the American staff in has been that because like you said, they've been there. They know the system. Lots of them are ex NFL players or ex NFL coaches. Very cool. Been so, wow. Yeah, so wow, cool. that's incredible. So it's really we've we've really stepped that up in terms of the the caliber of expertise that the guys have access mm. to. But not only that, because they've been through the entire system from mm. college to NFL, they know the ins and outs. They know some of the the tips and tricks. They know they have the network. So like, that's just another sort of um, string to bow mm. in terms of like the quality of this program. Because now we have the people who can get you your foot in the door mm. and sort of that inside track to getting to some to some pretty decent colleges mm. which we've you know managed to send a few guys to and continue to do so so like yeah it's been a great addition to have them in that's really cool yeah so what what would you say before we move on to what we actually want to talk about uh, <laughs> the, uh what would you say is the like the most exciting thing about the academy right now the, the the one thing that if somebody asks you like what's so great about the academy what's the most exciting thing I cannot wait to get to work because of this so it's difficult to pick one the it's NFL, like, the NFL stash the NFL branded stash yeah yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Got, like this hybrid sort of <laughs> NFL stash new in like two weeks ago um, it, so looks, it looks good yeah, here so come the big timers <laughs> <laughs> yeah there we go um no that's definitely, yeah, definitely a, a plus we love a bit of stash um but i think it's gonna sound like a cop-out answer I, i'm pretty sure but for me it's almost the because we're such a young program it's the excitement of not really knowing okay like the heights that we could get to yeah and and ultimately i think the the goal that we're all working for 
is to get as many guys through college as possible, but ultimately we want to try and get our first NFL alumni into yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's obviously that's the outcome. And then you have your process goals along the way. And obviously we have things like recruitment of staff, coaches, playing American teams, um, opportunities for us as staff to go and develop ourselves by going out to the States and, and having those relationships and stuff. So to boil it down to one thing is really difficult, but, uh, yeah, yeah I think that, that that's a good point though. Like it's a clean slate, yeah. and and maybe if it's a you know they've it's a program they've they've tried it and it doesn't work and you're so now you're trying it again. And it's like well we've already tried it, but for for the academy here it's like well these are our goals. It's like well why not? Yeah, like why can't why why can't we do it? Yeah. Right, like we haven't had a track record of doing it, but we've never tried, and you know so that's that is really cool. Yeah. But no, yeah, incredibly exciting. I think you could sort of say that sort of perfect model answer of, oh, everything's exciting sort of thing. But I think, yeah, I think in particular, it's sort of that are we're all aligned in what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and both staff, physical, nutrition, physio, technical, everyone is, I, I believe, especially this year, is very much together and aligned on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just coming to work every day, knowing, hopefully, that I like to think so, that we're making them better and we're giving them one step closer to the goal of what their accent might be, whether yeah. it's D2 football, whether it's D3 football, ultimately it might be D1 football and then yeah. whatever yeah. Know, um, transpires out of that, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Really cool. Really cool. Um, transitioning <laughs> into into this, which we'll, I mean, we'll be talking about NFL Academy anyways and, and maybe past, past jobs as well. Um, is this idea of wintering which we've talked now this is the fifth episode on um or off-season training because obviously wintering only makes sense if either you don't do a sport an official sport and you're just training in the winter Mm -hmm. which i guess is is one thing or the idea of off-season training matt do you want to do you want to just kind of intro that topic and 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 kind of get us going get us going for that like what we've talked about and then and then lead us into it yeah, so 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 far we we David and I spoke about wintering as a term where people spend a big normally it falls over winter, hence the name, but it's a season of an off season. Yeah. Period of off season where you can either recoup, like recover, get all the little niggles in your shoulder or stuff sorted out, or you can use that time to get bigger, stronger, quicker for whatever sport you've got. And through Kate we saw that the off season can be used in different ways. Um, like say it, it could be a short off season. We saw how she spoke about how there was like the short term benefits as well as the long term benefits because you know training for the Olympics. And then recently we spoke to Julian in the army, and he basically said they didn't have an off season because you got to deal with the they just train how they always train. There's not much variation. It's just head down and whatever the conditions there are, we'll go out and do the same thing. So I just wanted to see what it was like. What what off season or wintering means to you in your current role? Yeah, I think similar to the other guests, it it, it will differ on the year. I think, say, if I'm going to take um, last year's example, we had guys who after our last game in April, right? So April is going to like what spring, isn't it? So we had some guys who had been selected by the program to go across to the states for a camp to basically 
uh, for loads of different like, mega camps. You know, we have like 500 plus athletes there and it's it's kind of like a meat market almost, isn't it? It's like you have numbers on your shirt and they just pick you out and like, I'll see you do a drill. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they would tour around. They went around Georgia um, on this particular uh, this particular tour. So again, that's already one consideration because these guys don't necessarily get the off season because as soon as they've done that camp, mm. they're probably back for exams. As soon as they've done their exams, they're probably going back in for the following preseason. So mm. the how you deal with them will be different to the guys who weren't set on camp per se. And then literally from that April game until July 31st, there's, there's no football games per se. They'll still be training on. But ultimately, like you said, your, your aims can change. Um, but uh, if we're going to go pure off-season where they don't have any football at all uh, and they're just home, the guys will probably get about four to six weeks. Four to um, six weeks. Four to six weeks, yeah, usually. Uh, this year coming up, it might be might be a little shorter because we're hopefully planning some some things in that in that summer period. So, um, yeah, that that's generally how it will work with us. Yeah. Um, I don't know what details we get into, but I guess from from my perspective, we don't see them. You know, the guys like I said, international program. A lot of them will fly home. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys who are domestic will go off to their homes, you know, homes in other cities around the country. So my access to them. And the team's access to them is basically nil mm. from a person to, you know, first yeah. person interaction. Um, and but, I, you'll, but you'll set their program of course. for that time. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what the other guests spoke about. Um, I have to go listen back. But the, I think the, the art of any good off season is, I assume it's probably the relationship you build up into it, but also the methods you can use within that off season to sort of, um, maintain adherence or ensure that the guys are trying to or trying to do the work you said to the highest quality yeah. possible yeah. ultimately like matt said there one of the pros of an off season is that you get to recoup and refresh and recover and the guys especially after a heavy season they, they need it mm. um so that we're not coming back in day one pre-season they're already in a state of slight overreaching they're already starting to teeter anyway like we want to come back almost fresh ready to go yeah um well, talk to us about the off season, especially in the in this academy, mm. because like the NFL or kind of major league sports will have a season, like it's very defined. Yeah, I guess rugby is a weird one because rugby does its own thing, and I have no idea how they do it, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if anyone does. But like, or like the NHL or NFL, it's very clear off season, off season, preseason, regular season, playoffs, and you just repeat that. Yeah, and it's. You know, it, the only difference is, is when your season ends because of how far you make it in playoffs. Yeah. So then obviously your, your off season's shorter or longer. Yeah. But but how does the season work here? We're chatting about it just briefly. Yeah. Like, so when is the season do you play now? And you said, you know, they here they have a different season to over in the States. Yeah. So obviously, like, how do you match up those games? Yeah, just chat, chat us through that. Yeah. First. Uh, again, one of those things where similar to, to Matt, even being in schools, but also being in rugby clubs before, you, you're kind of used to that week-on-week competition, week-week game. When you're in season, you, you're yeah. literally like 30-plus weeks of just yeah. weekly fixtures. So um, that's what I was used to coming in. And probably, I guess that's probably the third point that uh, I didn't touch on in your previous question about sort of the differences. I think one thing that I've tried to or had to sort of become more comfortable with is we could go some period of time without a fixture but okay. it's always seeing that as an opportunity from a physical development perspective to um to plug some of the, the gaps or to fill some of the buckets 
physical quality buckets that the guys might need, whether it be strength, power, size, yeah. all of the above. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the season, how it works. So we'll this season, I'm going to use an example. So we came in literally last day of July for preseason. We played in August. It was almost like what we call our preseason fixture in August, which again, probably aligns to most UK sports. You have your sort of preseason in July, August, and then you start your season in September. And again, it's similar to the NFL too uh, in the States. So we played an um, American team out in Dublin. Great experience. Um, first time the guys got together and played, so it was a really, really good development opportunity there. We then came back. We then have maybe three or four weeks of prep before they are, uh, sorry, we then have about a month of prep. So we had from the end of August to the end of September, early October before IMG and then Erasmus. Mm. Um, but ultimately our season was September to now. Okay. Yeah. So oops, sorry, September to, to now. Um, which again follows NFL yeah. quite nicely because yeah. they are September to again January-ish. And then if you go all the way to the Super Bowl, it's February. Mm-hmm. What's different from us is that once we're done now for Christmas, we have we have something called spring ball, which is again an opportunity for fixtures, mostly internal, but sometimes external fixtures in the springtime. So we literally have from now until sort of March, I think um, might be mid-March is when we're hoping to, to have our next game. So you have this almost mini off-season, like you have your first off-season. Yeah. Um, for us in this time, this could be a whole different podcast as well, um, is that we have our combine, which again, we know is a massive recruiting sort of drive for these guys. So the 40, the Alcone, the, the shuttle, the bench press, the, vert, the broad, all that sort of stuff. So that's become almost our focus for this off-season. Okay. They then gonna do, and you do that here, the combine. Uh, we're gonna yeah. So last we did it in Derby some... County. We did it in okay. a, a professional um, environment. It's indoor, just mostly just for yeah. to keep the environment as stable, yeah. environment as stable as possible. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we have that spring football opportunity to play some European teams again in March to April, um, maybe May. Uh, and then again, that's where sort of that second off season begins. So it's it's like we have two seasons. Mm. So you have your sort of autumn, winter, and then your spring, mm. and then after the spring that's when I said before about the guys who go on camp in the summer to, to the US. Um, and then that's when academics will start to come in. And obviously we have to sort of turn the dial, the football dial down a little bit whilst the academic dial turns up. Um, so yeah, I, I know I've rambled on a bit, but hopefully that gives you a good. Yeah, no, that, yeah, no, that's good. Cause it, so it doesn't just go all the way through from, you know, July and then ends in what springtime or something. You yeah. do have kind of two mini seasons. almost. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask previously before that. Um, you said that you, you said that you wanted them like fresh, or or it's a chance to become like fresh, get into the next season fresh. Um, I'll say fresh once more. But um, I was wondering <laughs> what what uh, would you rather them arrive in peak condition or arrive in a state where they can reach peak condition when you want them to? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. I think. Ultimately, we want them to come into a into the preseason with us in a condition where they're going to be able to tolerate the workload that's going to be right. placed upon them, especially in that first week. Yeah. So, how we achieve that, hopefully through off season, is by prescribing them the on feet loading, the gym based loading that's going to get them in a position to do that. I would probably say, especially in the preseason, you have time before your so I guess first preseason fixture. You probably have you don't really, I don't even know if you want to be peaked to your first preseason fixture. If you know what I mean, you almost you're almost using those preseason fixtures as a way of peaking yeah. or a way of tweaking, I guess, or <clears throat> or refining. Mm. Um, so I think that I probably wouldn't say that I would like oh be one end or I want them to come in their peak condition for day one. 
because ultimately once you're at your peak it's quite hard to maintain it right mm. and obviously the guys the demands increase over the course of the season ultimately people are going to start breaking down and and what sort of thing so i think um yeah i like to come in they'd like them to come in tolerable to the workload in week one and then we can almost because we're now with them you know face to face we can start to control things a little bit more and we can allow them to progressively reload it and load and load it and then by hopefully by fixture one of the season as matt said then that's when we probably like them to be mm-hmm. at their sort of peak as it were so almost like that off season like matt said kind of niggles and then kind of start building that base again so that when they get back to you, they're in a time, like you said, that they can handle the load that we're going to put on now. Yeah. So you don't have to spend four weeks just getting them up to that. Right. So well, they're not kind of in a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of in a moldable shape now. Yeah. We have them in a base and then we can take them from there. Speaking of what you just mentioned, ideally, ideally. you're not with them, but obviously you're prescribing them these exercises and then they go off to who knows where, where yeah. they have who knows what going on or whatever how do you how do you keep in contact with them uh in that time how do you prescribe exercises or again i could ask so many questions (laughs) but how do you kind of yeah try to make sure that they're coming in back in the condition that you're hoping for uh so we Last year, it was slightly different. We, we, we didn't have perhaps the sort of software and the, the gadgets and the shiny toys to use this year. So now this year, we have um, a software called Team Builder, which, again, lots of teams now use. Um, lots of professional teams. It's basically an online software, which we can use to program. Yeah. I'm assuming you're smiling. <laughs> yeah, because Matt, I obviously email is coming from Team Builder. Now I know what it is. <laughs> oh, it's because the lads use Team Builder. And then I thought, oh, crap, I'm already using my email as the admin. So now I thought I might as well move my programs for myself on there. So I use the I, yeah, I use yeah. the, RS, uh, the podcast email, <laughs> um, and I I always see it coming. It's like, what is this? Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Deleting all his progress. Yeah, stealing yeah. his games. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. yeah, no. So um, this year will be be quite different, but yeah, I think for us. Uh, with a large group of guys. So we've got about 60, 65 guys. Last year we had more, 65 to 70. So a lot of boys, like you said, all literally just like spreading out across the, across the, like across the globe. Yeah. Um, so how you, how you control what they do and get up to is, is nigh on impossible. But ultimately, um, I think that one of the key, there are, there's a multi, like multifactorial way in which you can approach this. So I think for us, firstly, it's when we, we try and get them all in a room and get them together before they go away. We try to lay out the plan of that off season. But most importantly, and one of my key learnings sort of the last sort of couple of years has been we've got to anchor it into their why. Like it's an all there's no good me saying to them, I need you to do this running and I need you to do this weight. Mm. Thanks. Got See you in yeah. six weeks. It's it's trying to to give it make it as clear as possible and trying to give them as clear a message that we are doing this yeah. for these reasons. It's to make sure that you guys come back ready to dominate camp, ready to dominate the first week. And you basically, and we're trying to make it almost trying to feed into the sort of the selfish side a little bit in terms of like, this is going to make you number one, your position. This is going to make, give you the opportunity to get filmed. This is going to give you the opportunity to get noticed by these recruiters. Ultimately, like I'm trying mm-hmm. to, I'm trying to relate to everything that I'm doing from physical perspective back to why are you here? Yeah. And for me, like in the past, that's, that's proven really effective in guys going away with a little bit more intent and a little bit more purpose behind what they're doing. Um, but then when they're actually away, it's a little bit of admin, but I don't mind it. It's a little bit of housekeeping, but it's just 
it's trying to have those micro like dosages of communication um getting guys what we try and do is encourage guys to send in film or videos of them doing exercises more so for us to, to, to give feedback on technique or or whatever it might be but also it's sort of sneakily making sure they're doing it because if they're not doing it, it wouldn't send us any videos would they so like um no, so, bro. I just want to check your phone. Yeah, bro. yeah. Well, no, <laughs> legit, we do, but um, we also want to make sure that they're doing the work. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we also have in the weeks we have like a weekly competition. We'll have um, we'll be setting out some say like off feet conditioning programs and, and bike sessions, and we'll get guys to send in their some of the metrics from the watt bikes and all that sort of stuff, and, and get them to compete. I think having an element, element of competition, especially within our population, these guys are testosterone fueled 16 to 19 year olds who like want to do nothing more than to, to get one over the mates and to be the best so like yeah. they're always gonna salivate a competition so like yeah, yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. really really effective driver for us um to make sure that they keep doing the work so we give out awards we do all sorts of things to try and window dress it a bit um but now we have team builder it's a lot easier because you can essentially assess uh completion of the workouts on the on the website it's right. really really useful um there's also so many different features on there, like the use of a, a feed, similar to like a social media feed. You can use to check if people are doing things. And um, again, we'll probably pair that new technology now with our old methods, which we've found really useful, such as the videos, the competition, the, mm-hmm. the weekly check-ins, that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. When you talk about, um, with Kate, with athletics coach, she was talking about now this year, you know, she's having less like sessions, less ses- being at less sessions wow that she maybe doesn't need to be at but spending that time doing more kind of athlete check-ins and like that and like what you're saying as well in the off season what um what's the biggest thing that maybe you've changed this year doing that in in the catch-ups that maybe you do now Okay. Did I say this year two times? What, what did you do this year that you wouldn't have done the year before? What did you learn from that first year of off season that this year like actually reflected on that? I need to change this of how I kind of communicate when, you know, when you talk about micro dosage, did you do the lifts? Show me videos or just those. So those small communication pieces with the athletes, what did you learn from the first year that now you're kind of implementing and maybe changing to make those more effective this year? Yeah. Um, that was a struggle. I apologize. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. We've got it in the end. It's all good. I think that's a, a really good question. And I've probably reflecting on it now. I think really simple, but it's just like, rather than almost coming in and coming out with almost, like I said about that task relational focus of I'm coming in and doing weights. You've got a video cool. See you later. Yeah. I don't, I, that's not me personally, but like, I appreciate that some guys will want me just to do that right. and not really talk to them about anything else. But some guys, and I've realized this through the relationships I've built with them in the last sort of 18 months will be wanting to right, rather in the off season, rather than me just like being a robot, give me your video, give me your weights thanks you let and see you next week it's like actually having a, a touch in a more holistic sort of you know how we've been up to this week how have you found things it's yeah. it's trying to eke out the details a bit more of how they found the training right. how they've you know any issues they're finding and that's what i'm trying to be a little bit more detailed and a bit more um i guess yeah rather than being sort of brief bright and then being gone it's more like staying for a little while if they yeah. want if they want me to talk about anything else other i'm there yeah um so i think that's probably definitely helped me 
attain more information going into then that first day of preseason. Okay, right, I'm aware that these guys were struggling with these bits across mm. the off season, um, and ultimately, that's why I like doing most is, is to build and maintain the relationships. So, mm. uh, I guess that feeds into like the culture that that you're building in there and if you build a good culture in the off or the season when you're together then that carries into the off season because yeah. the work ethics there and yeah and i guess it's just it's just magnified when people are by themselves and yeah. not in the group yeah and i and i imagine this is going to probably segue nicely but like having new players come in oh there we go knew it um, it's like having, uh, it's like he saw the it's like i knew before. it's like i almost knew the, the questions before we came up no um like uh, when we have new guys come in, it's difficult because you don't have that base or that foundation yeah. to then yeah. to 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 piggyback off of. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a different ball game. But. Yeah. Well, that was one of the questions. Is because obviously your goal, the NFL Academy, isn't the end goal. No. So it's not the NFL where you know hopefully they'll be for that on that team for a decade. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so yeah. it is like preparing them for the next step. So uh-huh. there is this turnover of of uh of players which i'm sure as it goes on will just become more and more and more and you'll always have new people coming in and people leaving so how yeah how do you deal with that and is it easier is it getting easier as the years go on i mean i guess this is only this the start of the second year or i guess you're halfway through the second year yeah i suppose right yeah, yeah. um how do you deal with that of some are new players that know the culture and get it some are no, some are old players who know the culture and get it. Some are new players struggling who don't know the culture and maybe are coming from their totally different experiences of, of whatever they've yeah. come from. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Uh, thankfully, it's, you know, it's a team effort to deal with that sort of stuff. But you're right. We have new guys coming in who have been playing football since they were 10 and they're sort of those sort of rare guys in the UK have been playing it at a domestic level for quite some time. Yeah. A lot of our guys are actually converts from other sports. Right. Okay. And interestingly, so guys yeah. who have tried the hand at things like football, rugby, most likely rugby because of the, the bit more of a clear transfer <clears throat> between the physical elements of the game sure. and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think when they're, they're all coming in with different levels of, I guess, knowledge about the game and almost like comfortability within, I think that's even a word, comfortability within um, like American football culture because like you yeah. said it's american culture it's it's american sport within the uk so mm-hmm. it has its has its own sort of nuances and its unique elements to it right um yeah like from a from a holistic perspective we just try and negate that almost in our considerations obviously we are there um first and foremost on day one preseason to make sure that they're physically going to be in a position where they can yeah. they can tolerate and they're going to be safe and they're yeah. going to ultimately they're going to thrive on the, on the field um has it been easier this year having returning players mm. and kind of now having a little bit of a culture built yeah. of these are the expectations and <clears throat> having now veteran players who you can kind of be like, hey, you're veteran players now. We expect more of you than we did last year yeah. in terms of like this is you now know the culture that we're trying to build. Yeah. Is that is that easier? Is it harder? Um, uh, like what? Yeah, it's difficult because I think when the guys moved house, as it were, up from London to here, uh, they obviously brought with them the culture that had been, or was, or I guess, cultivated like in London. Which, again, every every culture has pros and cons, but it was quite difficult because we were inheriting almost like a program f- to a new location, and it brought with it some of its 
its its own identity, which is obviously more than it's right to do. We found it a challenge to try and implement new things, right? And that's I guess part and parcel of any sort of new moving organization. So I think now having returning players, which we've been able to work with throughout the year and and um, introduce them to I guess the the way that we'd like things to go, but also having the support of the great coaches we have this year, the American guys in particular. Um, but watch all of them to be fair, all, all the coaches we have to, to, to drive that, that culture now. Um, it's definitely been easier this year because almost like we we're inheriting players who've never been in the NFL Academy before. So therefore they don't have no experience of what the NFL Academy has been like. Mm. So therefore you have a, like you said before, a clean slate. Mm. Now I can get, we, now we can sort of feather in the culture of what we want mm. and what us and the coaches would like. And therefore makes our job a hundred times easier when we're trying to influence certain things and, yeah. and work with them basically. Oh, I don't think of that. Yeah. Matt, go ahead. And then I just want to follow on from that sort of reflective um, sort of theme that we're on now. How would you have programmed the off season differently ne- like for this upcoming season than you did in the past? Like what changes would you made? And then, sorry, that'll be my second question. But my first question would be, how did you program in the off season? Yeah, Matt and I try to formulate questions. We're so good at like this. that meme, or with with all the equations coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, cool. Two parter. I love these multi questions. <laughs> yeah, and then we just throw ten questions at Jack. It's a two parter, <laughs> but you get the second question first, and then the ne- first question next. <laughs> yeah, Uno reverse. I like it. Um, so I think first. So yeah, first questions are like, how do we program? Um, unfortunately, there were there were sort of. It, well, in our environment, when you're, I guess it's the same when you're in rugby and football, right? If you're away from the sport and you're in off season, your access to coaching or teammates that actually do sport specific type conditioning is quite limited. Um, so I guess for us, so like how we laid out the, the week would be that we would lift on a sort of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then, so you're kind of getting sort of, sort of 36, 40 hours between those sort of stims. And then on a Tuesday, Thursday, we'd have some on feet stuff. So that that would be a combination of your traditional sort of linear speed, high speed running exposure, which we do for a multitude of reasons, from performance down to reducing risk of injury, and making sure that they're, like we said, staying topped up in those qualities that when they come back to us in that day one, we're not sort of cacking ourselves a bit like, okay, these guys haven't had exposure to high speed. Now they're going to do a week's worth of like these quite intense preseason drills. Like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> and, and then then um, on the sort of Thursday, we'd probably do more of like a multi-directional type piece. But what we try and do, we'll try and do anyway, is we try to individualize that based on position. So weirdly, like American football is quite a pre, especially like we've talked about the um the offense yeah. it's quite a pre-planned you have your routes you know yeah. where you're going and it's mm-hmm. almost like it's a pre-programmed movement so it's kind of it's weird it's like a hybrid of being closed and open it's almost like a closed reactive that's probably how i define it it's a closed reactive type sport especially if you're like a receiver or whatever so what we've done is we've tried to implement some of these um multi-directional type conditioning drills which are a little bit more specific to the, the main movement patterns of each position whether right. that be backpedaling to hip flipping for like, a db it might be some um, routes of different angles and severities for receivers. It would be some um, offensive line, defensive line type drills too. Um, and then on the Saturday, then we'd have some, maybe some off feet conditioning mm. stuff. And then Sunday would would obviously the, the rest of Saturday and Sunday rest. Um, so that was part one that was two. So two that was one was 
how I would change it, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just right, I was just going to follow on from something you said though. So like one thing you no, said, go on. One thing you said was uh, the multi sort of directional movements, and I was just hoping to clarify something. So like a way to progress that. So obviously you say they come into the season, into the preseason, you get that going through. Obviously say a wide receiver, an attacking player, they know their routes, right? Would you the way you'd progress it over the weeks is you'd get them obviously learning how to cut at those different angles. Then, as you said, it's more reactive after that because once they've caught it, there's no route anymore. They got to figure out how where to go. So, would you say after week two or week three, however, what time span you want to use, would you then bring in some more reactive drills? Yeah, I think um, that's a great point. I think the one barrier we had without using, and again, we can get into some real weeds here, without using or having access to say a partner or a training partner, someone to to react based like react off of right yeah um <laughs> yeah you're trying to react off of yourself oh yeah <laughs> you got a mirror so, like it was yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. doing your your lounge or something whatever <laughs> like yeah um so that obviously was a um so i guess like a, a, a roadblock or a barrier for that i guess other solutions that we have played around with before would be things like if they have equipment cones and things and mm. it's ultimately to, for it to be reactive there has to be a a stimulus that you then have to observe to what you're going to do and then act on it. Right. So um, for us, at least enough, and this, this probably could be a reflection point, but how could we maybe introduce that next year? But this year we will probably hang our hat more so on the physical capacity component of that and actually exposure to high intensity decelerations, change direction, that sort of stuff from a tissue specific level, I guess. And, and just making sure that they're, they're their tolerance to those things are increasing. Right. Um, and that's the mold that you get them with now, and then we can work on reacting. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah. And then I was really like, I'm not the expert in rec football. The, the technical coaches are the experts. And as much as I've tried to learn from them, ultimately, I'm, it's going to be those guys, like you said, in the, in the actual preseason phase that are going to start to develop some of the more, well, the technical specific and tactical specific elements. Right. Um, yeah. I hope that answers it. That answers yeah. the follow-up question, but you still got the second question of that two-part question. So that was so you're saying that was part one B. <laughs> yeah, that was part. No, part that was part part one B, which was actually two B. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, what was part? Yeah, what was I, the other one? I, well, the other one change, was yeah, right? yeah. the difference between uh, last year to this year. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think um, this year upcoming based on having more staff members amongst us initially, you know, between the 70 guys, it was me and one other practitioner for a bit of time without, we then had placements supporting, but obviously in the early times, those placements aren't perhaps at a level of skill where they can program right away, which is again, it's right. all part of the development journey and stuff. So until that point, it was, yeah. it was obviously quite a stretch between the two of us trying to do that together. So um, I think in hindsight, the previous off season following on to this coming off season, what we'd like to do would be to, rather than, I guess, give them a, a conditioning, a general conditioning type program, which is going to bring them back at a decent level. It's like, how can we actually um, optimize that even further? Okay. There's a way that we can, who's got, I don't know, a way he's going to, a way we're going to like perhaps bucket athletes more specifically into the, the primary physical quality they're going to need. Right. So um, whether it's a size, so you know, if guys are going to be in the size bucket based on some of the diagnostic data we've carried out on them, in that year based on idt discussions with nutrition and physio and all that sort of stuff um you know are there guys that we need to lean more towards mass are there guys that need to lean more towards power um mm. uh, strength or the guys who are hybrid who need all the above 
Um, of course, nothing's ever trained in isolation. We kind of use more of a conjugate approach where we're, you know, again, using the dial sort of analogy, all dials are being used, but ultimately there's one dial that's going to be turned further up than the others based on the primary needs. So um, I think now having the space and sort of capacity to do that, that yeah. would be yeah. a thing that we can. And I guess, like you said, a whole year of working with those athletes. So now you actually know what they need because exactly. you've seen them. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Matt, go ahead. Okay, so I think there was a couple of things, but one thing you said about all the dials turned up. So we recently spoke to Julian, who is in the army, works as a yeah. physical trainer over there. And he said, like, in the army, you can't just be the strongest and then you can barely run with your pack for like countless miles. So as you said, all those dials, he agreed. He said, like, we need all those dials, but we need them all firing at the same time. So we're trying to do that in like a certain amount of time in training. So. It was just something bringing back from a past episode. And then the other thing I was going to ask was when you mentioned like through the years you go through as the years go by when you're programming and trying to get more specialized, you actually create a backlog of programs that next time you encounter something and you're like, oh, actually, I've got a program for this. Oh, actually, I could work with this. So you'll have like over, over the years go by with this program that you're building up. It will be amazing to see like the countless different programs or, or skills you've learned from that. Because, um, I mean, when I was over in New Zealand, which I barely mention, um, I was... Uh, <laughs> can see the Highlanders top. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah that's right. No, it's a great... Chiefs. Oh, Chiefs. oh, sorry, my bad, my bad, Chiefs. My dad would be so disappointed. He's a massive Chiefs fan. So. Is it? Oh, it was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But th they did the exact same thing. So, like, almost split them into groups from the, as you said, the diagnostic or physical profile test they did in the beginning. And you'll get some boys... I remember in Australian rugby, they used to, back in the day, back when the PC wasn't too bad, uh, they used to call it the fat club. They get like the boys in the yeah. fat club. <laughs> but like over in New Zealand, like you'd see some boys working on more power. So the forwards would be like doing, I can't give an example now, but they would be doing a lot of power. The backs would be looking at, so say sled marches, the, back, the forwards would be doing heavier sled marches, backs would be doing quick yeah. ones. But then you'd have some boys doing some metabolic conditioning. So they'd be powering through reps of various, like almost a circuit. So yeah, you do. It's interesting to see it also in the NFL. Um, don't worry, and then you get me question. just doing calves. Oh, David, I'd <laughs> give up. Then you get me I'd just, give up just, now. Hand, just <laughs> <laughs> I'd give up. That trainer's safe. Give up. <laughs> the calves, the calves, the calves train. The trainer sailed. You can tell it's half. You can tell it's half nine tonight. Yeah, we need to wrap this up quickly. We, I have one more question. Yeah, I have no one more question, and then uh, Matt, do we have quick fire questions? Oh yeah, today? I got twenty, but they all start in twenty chronolog chronological order. Nah, only five, only five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have one more question to wrap things up, and then and then we have quick fire questions, which yeah, we always no do. I'm getting tangled. Uh, there we go. We're good. Um, and and it's. It, a two-parter because we love we, we love double parts here. Uh, Just get my notebook out. <laughs> Make sure I don't forget. What's uh, first one is what's the biggest thing that you want to improve this year as an SNC coach, uh, and and what's the next step uh, in your kind of career development? Like where do you want where do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. What's that next step? Okay, so part one was like, what's the biggest thing you want to improve? Yeah, that's a good. And then, yeah, where, where, what's the next step where you want to go? Um, I think from um, from where I'd like to, to to develop one of the things. So, I, speaking of off seasons, I think off seasons are a great opportunity to to reflect not only on the program but also on ourselves. So, I've used some pretty cool um, base again things that I've resources that I've kindly been given by the people that I've sort of tried to morph into my environment. Things like anonymous player feedback forms, things that I can use to try and 
get a bit of a lay of the land of like where do they think I need to improve. Mm. Um, I think based on some reflections, or I guess of last season, but also going forward, it's just it's just always, um, and we do this really well as an NFL sort of uh, performance support team. But it's it's always continuing to try and drive that almost that cross pollination between disciplines. Ultimately, no athlete. Any intervention that's placed that we put with an athlete is 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 not by any means un, under the umbrella of one discipline, i.e., SNC or physio or nutrition. It's it's got to be a collective effort. So, um, I think again, coming into this role, working in a school, you probably don't quite get that exposure. I guess you do, Matt. You obviously would be able to speak on it more, sort of knowingly now. But I guess in a school environment with so many kids, so many pupils, like you still obviously have perhaps nutritionists or you might have physios, but mm-hmm it's sometimes quite siloed in terms of how they operate. Um, but one thing I've learned being here is that to, to truly be effective as a, as a team and to, again, put the player in the best position to, to go and to achieve what they want to do, you've got to be connected and you've got to be connected throughout the entire thing. So um, that's been a cool sort of development journey for me. And I think it's probably one thing that I want to continue trying to develop and continue to try and really be proactive with, try to drive that cross-pollination, but also yeah. just be a part of it. Um, and then... Uh, cool. I should have an overcount. I, uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to say none of us could remember. See, I was going to say you don't have to worry about forgetting it. We'll forget it before we even ask you it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, we had something to ask. You. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing space cadets. The last one was what's next? Like what? Oh, where, okay. Yeah. Right, cool. Career development is in um, yeah. yeah NFL beyond. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like I. I'll, <sighs> I'm still relatively quite early on. Like this is probably my fourth, maybe fifth year within the industry. So that's yeah. you compare it to other industries, you know, teachers of 30 plus years and so that sort of thing you hear. But I, I haven't been the university coach for that long. Um, so still very much lots of to, 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 to learn and to get better at and I'm by no means perfect. But I think for me going forward, I think some of the goals I'd like to achieve would be perhaps to, to try and work abroad, try and get into, I think one of the beauty, and obviously Matt's obviously experienced that. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about, this industry and sports science in general is that it can take you to all over the world. Right. Like sport is yeah. a universal thing. Like yeah. every country around the world, they have sports teams, they have, they have opportunities. And I think that's probably one thing that, especially at my age, uh, I say I might look at 86, but I'm actually in my mid twenties, <laughs> um, uh, that I want to go and, and seize. Yeah. So that's definitely one thing on my bucket list is to, to, mm-hmm. to experience different cultures and different ways of, of working sport, which is kind of weird because I've actually been able to experience that here working yeah, with yeah. American sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'd like to, I'd love to get into like a leadership position one day in terms of similar to, to my boss now, like trying to get into sort of a head performance role would be, yeah. would be a really good, um, good opportunity to, to try and strive for. Uh, I've always had this weird sense of like, I could see myself getting into academia maybe one day, like okay, maybe like a, it's almost like um, you, you have your years in the trenches as it were in terms of being an SC coach and then trying to, I think I, I also get quite a big kick of trying to mentor or upskill other people. So if there are opportunities maybe later down the line when I've had my time in pro sport and um, or sports in general, and it's an opportunity to actually upskill and pass that on to the next generation of coaches as it were, like yeah. that would be really cool. That, yeah. That's something that I've, it's early doors, right? And that's yeah, like, yeah. Plan, that's awesome, that's plan really a exciting. version 1.0 but like b2 b yeah, yeah exactly um but it's one of those things that i've i've thought about and i feel like it probably aligns to some of the needs and wants and yeah sort of the, the nature of who i am i guess yeah um but yeah going abroad sort of trying to build kind that ladder and yeah. and yeah. um yeah who knows i could be i could be finishing my working career in an office as nice as this 
Yeah. I feel like I've stepped into Harvard. It's, nice. like it's, no, it's not my office. Yeah, yeah. You should have said it. Man. Tottenham Hotspur to that library in the background, no chance. <laughs> yeah, that's very, right. Yeah, fair that's enough. Right. No, good point, good point. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I mean, that's that's the beauty of the industry we work in because, I mean, you know, I've, I've wanted to think being a physical trainer in the army that would be quite cool working in a school that's quite cool but you know i think main thing traveling abroad like i had a i had the thought process which is still going of going to the america getting getting through maybe football via mlr so major league rugby work for a team there then you know go placement somewhere in a college football program or somewhere and then go go there but it's, it's yeah it's a fun little industry we work in it's tough through the unpaid placements yeah. but it's quite yeah. rewarding I was gonna say for eighty six, you're looking pretty good. Yeah. I've had, I've been trying to dodge his triceps the whole entire podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna clip that recording. bit, and that's the only bit that I'm gonna put on my. No, I'm joking. Yeah, exactly. Make sure that's on the preview. It's great. No, I'm yeah, that's right. Yeah. No. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, especially starting at eight. Uh, we ran over. It's almost nine. Well, it is nine thirty. Almost ten. 9:35. So we really appreciate it. Oh, it's been so great. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yeah, just kind of getting because we've chatted before a bit, but never this long. No, so it's and been it, awesome. And as it has flown by, and it does not feel like half nine. I've really enjoyed being on. And I was going to say, I said to you before we went on, like the the discipline it takes for you guys to do this week on week, and the commitment it shows that you guys are you know producing quality content is, is awesome. And it's it's something that I admire because like. <laughs> You, everyone's like, oh, I could do a podcast. Like, I could do this. Like, it'd be easy. And then you get maybe two weeks in, and you realize all the, <laughs> all the, like, all the organization it takes, and the editing, and yeah, and that you can't, media can't and, take, can't formulate a, you can't formulate a question. Right, <laughs> hey, David, well, that's a skill. Yeah. That's a skill to get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to get it wrong is a skill, and we've got it. <laughs> but uh, but ultimately, yeah, no, massive thanks for having me on. It's been, no, it's, it's been, been an absolute pleasure. No, it's been really great. Yeah. So we got we got quick fire questions with Matt. Go for it. Sorry. Uh, Matt, yeah. take it away. Sorry, I just realized. Oh, unless something. you have something else before. This, uh, this podcast actually has one PhD, so technically I've got a PhD. So that's all good. There we go. <laughs> Shared, is it? Yeah, Shared, definitely. Shared custody. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah he, has it, he has it on weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt has it on weekends. It's like asterisks next to my name and Matt. Calvary. I'm definitely yeah. the top guy just walks in with a lab coat. I'm PhD for this weekend, all right? Everyone listen to me. But no, so uh, quick five questions. Ready? What NFL team do you support? Oh, I don't know if I'm. Uh, no, I'm not ashamed to say. Actually, I'm going to be. I'm going to be really proud of this. I I support the Carolina Panthers, who are currently yeah shocking the only team. Yeah, the only team to be officially ruled out of the playoffs. With a oh, one and twelve record. No. We, went number, we traded away all. That's our, tough. Are you going? Uh, we traded all our uh, draft capital away to get number one pick. Oh, okay, um, so they're tanking for a reason. They're well, tanking yeah, for the draft. We, we just haven't got. It just doesn't seem that we have the, especially the O line right mm. now to, to to give him the the time to to find and also the receivers aren't doing great against space either. how many years yeah. of good drafting do they need before they're good i have no idea but anything based on obviously the bengals obviously went from being pretty trash for a number of years to obviously getting joe burrow and then i think maybe it was like what one or two maybe three years and then they yeah. made it to the super bowl so yeah yeah hey, i'm not, like i'm gonna be the one smirking at the end and laughing when eventually happens I'm, I'm holding when they win the super bowl we'll get well, you on yeah. the podcast we're 12 again. and 1 this time next year you guys <laughs> by the, will be, by uh, the time yeah. that happens he'll be working with the panthers eh? 20 years down <laughs> yeah, by, like yeah, i yeah. thought yeah. it would change <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. 100%. yeah. <laughs> um next one what were you afraid of as a child 
That's a good one. I haven't heard. Sorry, I saw another one online that was what was your favorite type of stationery, which made me crack up. But yeah, we'll stick with this one. (laughs) Oh, lots of things from when I was a kid. Um, Oh God, the fact my triceps never stopped growing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! What a curse. I don't honestly so many things. I was such a scared little kid. I'm probably going to say, I just think I remember having a very big freak out as a, as a kid at a circus. There was a big inflatable clown. Oh. Uh, and I was beside myself. Oh, really? So I think but that probably like inconsolable. That, yeah. That created maybe slight fear towards that sort of stuff. Yeah. I like to say I've grown out of it now, just for those guys and girls listening. I have grown out of that fear now, but yeah, as a kid, clowns were. Clowns. Nice. That's uh, reasonable. What is one of your nicknames or what is your nickname? I really, again, not really anything special. I think um, people like nowadays just put the first letter of your first name and then put mm. it No, your no last oat name. milk? No, no, no oh, I've got a great no, one. I've that one. What's yours? What's that band called Hall and Oats? You could call it Guns and Oats or something like that. Guns and Oats. Guns and Oats. <laughs> yeah. Peep, uh, yeah, funny. no, you know what? There's, I'm going to take those. I'm going yeah. <laughs> to try float them out them, tomorrow. Float them out, float see if they stick. Walk get back to the gym us. just going, I'd hate if someone called me this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just really loudly three times in a row. Oh, don't go. Like, yeah. David, David, when we're in the uh, gym later, just shout this name at me and I'll turn. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, no, it's just, I, I don't have any nicknames. So I, I don't know if that makes me really boring. But... Do people call you, like, what do they call you in the gym? Sir? No, they, I, again, that's another thing I used to do, getting called coach. Oh, they call oh, you coach? Yeah, yeah like yeah. Pro- proper American style. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So okay. rather than it being, because I've always worked on Jack, like, that's, yeah. again. But it was always first name, not last name. Yeah, no, it's always first name, if not, but a coach. But yeah, um, <clears throat> like Jotun is probably one that's probably stuck a lot of oh, friends nice. at home. It's literally the most creative one, isn't it? Jotun. It's just J Oten. <laughs> Jotun. So, um, that sounds American. Yeah, to that's be probably. Fair. Um, so, there we go. One subject you'd like to learn more about? Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this uh, next, next question is going to get deep as well, so get ready. Oh, no. Subject. You mean like a specific topic or you mean like a global like discipline? Like yeah, thing, anything. Like anything. You choose anything. Oh, my God. Uh, so David's you know would what? be like supplements to grow calves or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'd probably do the same, to be honest. I'd like to say that I'm also rocking my crops. <laughs> with an NFL with badge. With NFL With the Ravens on, on there as well. Basically, uh, I'm all I'm business all the way down, and it takes a very hard, firm stop at my feet, and it's just party <laughs> crocs. Um, I'm the They're even sport mode crocs. They're sport mode on, yeah. Sport mode on. Um, so I think one subject, what subject do you want to know more about? Jesus, brother. Uh... I probably like the body kind of freaks me out, but also fascinates me in the same breath. So it kind of probably weirdly suits my job as well. But like, I want to learn more about just general, like the, the body just like in and out, just I think like more anatomy based stuff would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we, you know, we work through it and work sort of stuff, but like actually diving deep yeah. into this sort of stuff. And yeah, I always get like really fascinated by how clever the body is. And there's almost mm. sometimes too clever of its own good. Hence why you, you get ill and stuff. But like just learning more about yeah. like muscle memory, how the body, re- how it, yeah, but all of that, all of it stuff, like just the, the body or the brain and, the, and the, the, the human body is just like incredibly cool. Yeah. And I really feel insane. like I know enough about it. So yeah. that's probably one. And that's then finally, yeah. what quote resonates with you? Oh, what quote oh do you gosh. use a lot of the time? 
so one I liked the most um, was, I, who said it to me? It might have been my mum, you know. Again, you have your ups and downs and both professional, personal, and sort of stuff, but she uh, um, quoted, I think it was, uh, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. It's classic. I think my mom has a has like a magnet on the fridge of that. I'm yeah. sure of it at home. And I like to I like to hope no one of the guests has said that. I do, are these questions are different for every guest, by the way. Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. And they range. It's incredible what Matt comes yeah, up with. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, so I think that's quite nice. I have honestly, I have almost like um, a note on my phone with different quotes and things that I've seen around and yeah. that, like that resonate with me. But I think that one's quite nice. It's just it's not always going to be perfect. And ultimately like to get better at something, you're going to have to fail and you're going to have to lose out. And yeah, just got to go with the flow and learn how to use the sails. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Obviously hope for the best of luck this year and, and the off season. And it's really be exciting to see where it goes in the next couple of years and what happens with you and where you head off to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, maybe a couple of years or whenever I come back on and update part two. Yeah. Part two B. Yeah. Well, we always tell our guests because we we do we haven't been able to do it, but we want to do like YouTube videos and stuff. So if we can get Matt up here, and you'll have to run and us run us through maybe maybe some on field stuff or something. Yeah. And we'll get the pads out. I would just oh, you would yeah. just see a clip uh, of a sixteen year old dropping me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing is that the size of the sixteen year olds we have. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can anyone bench bigger that more than you? In the group? We have a guy who's he's benching one eighty easy, maybe one eighty five. He's squatting 260. He's That's he's insane. 18, 17 actually, maybe. Yeah, what an animal. At least he's 18. So, um, he's he's just turned 14. Yeah. Hasn't even hit puberty yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, so um, yeah, 100%. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate it. Matt, do you have anything else? Sorry. Oh, nothing of substance. Just something stupid, but carry on. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> waffle. No, we just say thanks again. And yeah, I really, really look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, I do. Thanks, guys. Thank you.